Hey, cashiers. We Have the Receipts podcast is coming at you live from Netflix is a Joke Fest in Los Angeles. Chris, are you kidding? No, Netflix is a joke, Courtney, but this is not one of them. Our listeners in LA have the chance to join us for a live recording of our podcast, We Have the Receipts, hosted by me, Chris Burns. And me, Courtney Revolution. Join us and a few surprise guests from your favorite Netflix reality shows on Saturday, May 4th at 1 p.m. at a secret location in Hollywood. To be announced. Get your tickets for the We Have the Receipts live show at todoom.com slash W-H-T-R. That's todoom, T-U-D-U-M dot com slash W-H-T-R. Tickets are limited. If you can't make it to the show, we still want to hear your beautiful voice. Leave us a message at speakpipe.com slash We Have the Receipts. You may even hear your own voice on the show. Grab a ticket at todoom.com slash W-H-T-R. And we'll see you on May 4th in Los Angeles. Bye, cashiers. Welcome to You Can't Make This Up, a companion podcast from Netflix. I'm Ray Vada, your usual host for the show. Here on You Can't Make This Up, we go behind the scenes of Netflix's original true crime stories with special guests. But this week, we're bringing you something a little bit different. We know that you love true crime, but Netflix has so much more to offer than just killer docs. And yes, that pun was intended. We have a new podcast called I'm Obsessed With This. On it, host Bobby Finger brings guests on to find out what they can't stop watching. Maybe their obsessions are yours too. In the latest episode, Bobby invited two friends to talk about Russian Doll, Velvet Buzzsaw, and a truly wild documentary called Abducted in Plain Sight. We thought you might want to take a listen, so here's the episode. Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, a Netflix podcast about the films and TV series everyone seems to be watching these days. Over the past couple weeks, those titles have been the Netflix original series Russian Doll, the Netflix original film Velvet Buzzsaw, and Abducted in Plain Sight, a documentary that I can't even get into in an introduction. We gotta save it for later, because what can you say about it? And we're gonna discuss why these things are all everyone can talk about. Why are my hands on my hips? I don't know. It's like I'm performing for an audience. I'm your host, Bobby Finger, my hands around my hips, and I am joined today by Sonia Soraya, television critic at Vanity Fair, and Lindsay Weber, writer and co-host of Who Weekly, the podcast I also happen to co-host. Yikes. Big It's big a meta podcast. I love How does it. How it feel to be on a podcast on I a podcast? Feel like the, I'm like the Who Weekly fan. I'm like in the circle. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen now? We're just going to do Who Weekly. <laughs> it's great. I television love Television critic at Vanity Fair and fan of ours. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Honestly, incredible. Yeah. Amazing title for you. You should just keep the second part on there always. It's great. <laughs> Let's meet them. Hi, Sonia. How are you? Hi, Bobby. I'm so good. Thank you. That's great. How's your seltzer? It's great. It's great. Yeah. Lindsay, how's your iced latte? Delicious. Thank you so much for bringing me coffee. You, you never do unless I'm on your other podcast. <laughs> you're so well. We don't bring me so coffee welcome. when I'm on my own podcast with you. You are so welcome. Before we get into talking about the series that we're here to talk about, I wanted to discuss Netflix really briefly mm-hmm. and ask both of you if there's anything that you've seen on your recommendations feed, like top picks for Sonia, top picks for Lindsay that has sort of like surprised you and also what's next on your list to watch nothing on my recommendations surprises me I watched a lot of (laughs) shit I mean I think because I watch so much Terrace House I get a lot of foreign language um, recommendations Uh there are so many Asian reality series that 
come up if you watch Terrace House. And they're all, I hear, they're all wonderful. The one I recently, this is, it's international reality, but it's not Asian. It's um, Instant Hotel. Oh, love it. Was like on my recommendations for weeks. And then we obviously watched it when we were in LA with our friend Steven. And it's fully insane and so good. So like, I'm sure you'll talk about that maybe on future episodes, but you got to get into this show. I mean, you love Australians? I, uh, who doesn't love Australians? Airbnbs? Love, love Airbnbs (laughs) It's for you. It's for you. Um, but the reality, whenever there's reality programming, I'm like, how much of my life do I have? You like, that's, count up that's the hours. problem. Right, yeah. exactly. That's why I can't do terrorists. Like, I can't because there's so you much You love of it. it so much. I know. I've seen pieces, but the whole thing. You have thing, so much TV you need to watch. You can't I, do it. I'm like, busy. You yeah. know yourself well enough to know that, like, you will fully get sucked into, like, the black that's hole of these reality the shows. That's problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. very. So it's easier with, like, Marie Kondo because I can, like, get into these one people's lives and, like, I get had, out. Like, like, the Akiyama family. That was, like, yesterday. Yes. I yeah. was like, I'm very invested yeah. in the Akiyama family today. But then I was like, great, I'm done. I can move on. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Instant Hotel, you'll that. be like, I got to see the next one. I got to see the next house. It's terrible. It's like that. it's like Four Weddings. Have you heard? remember that show on TLC? No. It's like where all these women oh, go to each other's weddings yes. and judge them and get money. Okay, A, I liked that it's, show. It's, all the TLC wedding shows, underrated. It's a very anyway, cool show in which people judge each other's Airbnbs for no, for no, for no reason. reason. For a trip to America, that's what they would. They'll be like, oh, well. Why? I know. Can you imagine wanting to It's like, it's far. It's far from the beach like they'll go <laughs> to the they'll go show. to Bondi and they'll be like they say it's beachside but that's it's quite entire- a big walk from Bondi <laughs> that's the entire show I swear is to that God. how you say it Bondi yeah, oh I don't know one of the that women named real- her daughter Bondi after the beach that they live on <laughs> my daughter Bondi it's wild they're so petty it's yeah, but it's also like, it's but you're right. The stakes are so low that you're like, why am I even invested in this? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, oh, it's great. mastercraft. That's um, great. Weirdly, I've been getting recommended daddy daycare. Like, it's always the top of my thing, and I'm like, what have I one, done two to or deserve one? one? Oh, but what I I will say, what I'm pleased by. I keep getting Watch It Again, and my Watch It Again is like my favorite category on Netflix is Watch It Again because uh-huh. I watch the same things over and over again. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I keep getting Watch It Again, Science of the Lambs, and I'm always like, okay, <laughs> don't mind if I do. Yeah. I've seen it 7,000 times. Don't Glad it's back on twice. Netflix. Yeah. I will watch it again. I what know. can I say? Watch Jodie Foster fight off a man who I mean, wants to skin her alive. Like, I love it. What's more satisfying than hearing Jodie Foster whisper, Dr. Lecter? <laughs> Dr. Lecter. Anything. And Honestly, credits, anything, is more, anything is more satisfying than that. Um, I am not a big binger. I only do like a couple at a time, but Mm -hmm. I did finish all of Russian Doll in one sitting. Well, it was only 30 minutes an episode. It actually was one of the easier binges, and I... So respect them for making it thirty minutes. Yeah. Like that actually really added to how good it was. Yeah. It, it's it's right? so, also so easy to watch. Yeah. Just it's, like the whole thing just ties together. Yeah, right? it's like so a hair under yeah. four hours. Mm-hmm. The entire experience on the way here. I was walking so near my apartment. There is this like horrifying intersection, Lindsay. You know it. Mm-hmm. It's this horrifying intersection off of Fulton. And every time I step in, I'm like, I'm gonna get hit by a car. So you're thinking about and I was thinking about Russian doll, yeah. and I was like, this is the intersection that's going to kill me. I think every neighborhood has like the intersection that's going yeah. to kill you. Yeah. But it got me thinking about Russian doll. I was. 
going to open this conversation by saying, like, when's the last time you thought you were about to die recently? I don't have the compulsion you have that's like, I'm near death. Like, yeah. I don't have that. Uh, I mean, I do. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, but there's an intersection also. Okay. And it's on the way back and forth from the subway. And it's like the longest crosswalk. Like, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm always, like, engaging in risk-taking mm-hmm. behavior when does I'm have the median? jaywalking. Mm-hmm. It does not have a median, okay. which means you're a psychopath. You're just waiting <laughs> for traffic to come, like, really hard well, out of the it's funny because circle. I'm actually, I drive a car, so actually I'm the one who's, like, closest to death. You're going to kill us. Like, yeah, I, exactly. well, you're the one you, who's going to kill me. Like, I'm not. Being in a car, too, there's so many little moments where you're like, wow, if I did something a little irresponsible right now, like, so many bad things would happen, mm-hmm. which I feel like having that feeling too many times is why I can't drive. Don't drive. <laughs> I was going to say, you shouldn't be driving is what, you should not be driving. Yeah. I would get in the most final destination <laughs> like, car accident. Yeah. It would just be I really respect bar. Russian Doll for not having final destination-y type deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't see them coming. Even yeah. if you knew, you're like, these are the types of deaths she's had. She could fall down the stairs again. She could fall into that, like, Sex and the City great hole. You know, when mm-hmm. Samantha falls into the crate. Oh, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Barry's yeah. like, I know. One thing I really loved about the deaths in Russian Doll is that they were very, or at least the bulk of them, Realistic. were very New York specific. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were New York specific. They were, they were almost inside jokes, like falling through the crate, yeah. getting hit by a cab. The deaths were very, like, what you fear when you live in New York as far as deaths yes. go. They didn't have to be as creative, inventive. They were not. What I was saying was they were not they Final Destination yes. deaths. They were like kind of these like weirdly like practical things that made them even more scary. Which are scary. Falling down the stairs is a true fear of mine. Yes. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So let's discuss Russian Doll. Russian Doll is the new series co-created by Leslie Headland and Natasha Leone. And Amy Poehler. And Amy, and Amy Poehler. Yeah. And it is about a woman who at her 36th birthday party kind of finds herself in the bathroom sort of brooding and kind of upset about this birthday and her whole life. And then she gets hit by a car and comes back immediately to this 36th birthday party. And she keeps living this night right. over and over and it's, over again. What's great about it is that it's like at first you're like, is this Groundhog Day? And then it just mm-hmm. is so much more than Groundhog Day. Like yes. it really, I really love the idea of it taking a familiar concept and like playing with it in the context of like what's popular this year. So it's like, it's a mystery show. It's a noir. It's a New York story. Mm-hmm. It's it is Groundhog Day. Like, it's a comedy. It's just, like, such a nice layered thing that I think we don't get a lot of on TV right now. It's also, like, very dark and very, like, but also very funny. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, a hard thing to do. So, like, the thing with the deaths is, like, when I think of Final Destination, everything's so dramatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I loved that, like, the like the second time she dies in the gas explosion, I laughed <laughs> so hard because she was like, oh, again. like, And and it was sort of funny to just, like, her business-like way of, like, seamlessly yeah. being like, oh, now this is happening to me. Yeah, yeah the yeah, fact yeah. that she's the video game, she's a video game engineer. The the show is actually closer to a video game than it is to anything else, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I wanted to get into, like, why was this show, for me specifically, so easy to binge, someone who is not good at mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I do think, number one, it's knowing that I can finish it shortly. Like, I can I can finish this in three and a half hours. Minutes, I yeah. know there's, a, there's an end game. And number two, like, there were little subtle weird surprises every episode. Like, yes. it did keep expanding things yeah. in a way that was just enough. It's very good placey. It's very, like, Westworld-y. It felt like uh, the end, like, every Nancy Drew book at the end of every chapter, there's, like, a uh, like a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but it's just, like, a kind of a subtle moment mm-hmm. where it's, like, makes you want to continue on. Also, Netflix, obviously, is a product, like, forces you to the next episode. Yeah. You're just, like, I'm still sitting here. Like, I might as well just keep watching, you know? But they definitely, you know, and we talked, I, I wrote a little bit in my review, mm-hmm. which you were talking about, like, about how it's, like, sort of TV slash movie 
movie, like there's yes. that gray area. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons this feels gray, I think, too, is because they clearly constructed it as a whole. And I think like a lot of TV shows, they are episodic, like not maybe less so on Netflix, but, you know, in the traditional model. It's mm-hmm. like you make you write your th- four episodes and then you figure out what's happening next. Mm-hmm. But this was like the whole season and everything like you could sort of see that they'd like made sure that it diagrammed out perfectly mm-hmm. and it, it's like a perfectly closed loop yeah. like yeah. by the end it's like the good place like when a yeah. show is this complicated i feel like you have to like write the whole thing yeah do i think this could have been just as good if not a slightly better movie if they like figured out how to like get it down totally but like because tv is where what we're doing right now and binging is such a popular thing and that this is the mm-hmm. type of Thing that that Netflix is looking for, it they made it make sense. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they did it wrong. I just feel like it also could have been a movie. Yeah, I think. Well, Sonia, you wrote that in your review. Yeah. You were like, mm-hmm. it could have been longer. It could have been, been shorter. shorter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Where do you veer? Because so I'm going to answer this a little tangentially because <laughs> I do think that like the biggest strength of the show is Natasha Leone. Yeah, like mm-hmm. just hundred percent. So wonderful to watch and yeah. like her character like I felt I mean I'm not to make it too but I felt so seen I was like fuck she really gets it she gets like Mm -hmm. like she's being this like hard bitten person who's Mm -hmm. like going through this Mm -hmm. like like I'm trying to age I'm trying to grow up but I'm not really and I don't care New York stereotype that's like very real it felt really real and I loved that so in that way I feel like I want more because I also think that like you can't quite solve all of your traumatic problems over the course of like one like you know you can't of course you can like come to terms with things but these things keep coming back which is mm-hmm. sort of what the first part of the show yeah. is about yeah. which is like right. she's stuck in a loop I, I don't know at the end I was like I don't know is that the end of the story mm-hmm. like I, I actually think this is going to come back for both of them and mm-hmm. they're going to yeah have to... I mean they ended it on such a like it was amazing how they did it so it was, it was, very satis- celebratory, it was yeah. satisfying it was uplifting but it was also like not over and still very confusing I mean the right. two right. the two Natasha's walk by her at the end she's in that mm-hmm. parade mm-hmm. with like Brandon Sex in the third which is wild by the way that he is that guy <laughs> cannot I had such a crush on him in Empire Records whatever Warren from mm-hmm. Empire Records yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that feels like a very open ending I mean we don't really know the source of the magic or what the magic is no. we just know how to placate it I guess yeah. like mm-hmm. to get because their their timelines yeah. came Converge, together but it doesn't mean right, yeah. they're done dying yeah. Right. And also just like life is still happening and like right. life is its own like nightmare. So like, right. just that because parade, that, like, right. that was a true parade. nightmare. Yeah, like, Did you what? guys read the Twitter thread the about Zinnemann the analogy thread. to the Tompkins Square riots? No, I didn't. It's so f- seamless that it no, has well, to so, be. Uh, Catherine Van Arendt, who writes at Vulture, asked Leslie Hedlund about it. And, and she, she was like, like yeah, yes, this is it. So tell us. Oh, my God. How, how do Leslie you Hedlund. How- is the co-creator, also yeah. writer, who made the film. You explain Bachelor. it. You explain okay, it. okay, okay, I'm going to do my... So Jason Zinneman is a, a, a critic who's online. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, t- he talked about how the Tompkins Square Park, like the history of Tompkins Square Park and like gentrifying the East Village mm-hmm. and how it affected that park in particular is such an... It's like an undercurrent throughout the whole thing okay. that like uh, Natasha Leone's character, Nadia, represents sort of like the old cool that was sort of trying to be like kind of zoned out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan, who is like very put together, sort of very... Uh, he's a, he's like a, in a luxury he's apartment. the NYU gentrifier. He's, oh, a, gentr- okay. he's a gentrifier. the park. But like in a way, they have to work together and like they can't... They cannot like vanquish each other. Like, um, like they have to exist together okay. and like, coexist and survive. And then like all of the stuff with horse is like is like a commentary. he represents the park homelessness they always, in the park yeah they always end up back in the park mm-hmm. there's Which is a lot this, of like, like constant. Yeah. yeah and he's always in every timeline she has to like find him and like see where he mm-hmm. is right. and also the way that she like gives him the shoes like she's yeah. oh, she's yeah. giving back to the park she's trying to like maintain the park and also like the park is like disintegrating 
reading kind of throughout every timeline. It's yeah. so and smart. Like, oatmeal in the park like means something, although yeah. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what. But the, the oatmeal's oatmeal. the cat. Uh, it means something. I know. I was like very invested. But I mean, it, it's really interesting also that like she can't die. Like she's the cool thing and they yeah. call her a cockroach at some right. point. Yeah. And that I like right. that. Too. I love how she says cockroach. He mentioned that like it's like in some ways like the park is still very much there and mm-hmm. we haven't fully we haven't fully gotten rid of like the magic of like Tompkins Square Park despite like all of our gentrification worries so like that's kind of what the show does which is nice because it's not this like woe is me New York is dead narrative which like a lot of things are yeah. um, it's truly like it's both it's everything mm-hmm. we're doing things but also some things never so change. that's sort of like that that parade that's happening yes. the end, it's sort of baffling and com- like it's like what exactly is this but it at least on a, on a very like surface level it's just the celebration like the park is still here. We're still right. here. New York is still right. here. Like New York is a lot of things and New York is always changing, but it's still New York. And it's yeah. reflect. Apparently, like there were there were riots. At, I mean, I didn't even know this. Yeah. I feel kind there of were. bad. But there were riots in Tompkins Square Park and a lot over of gentrification over okay. over like closing the park at different hours oh, to okay. like prevent homelessness. Right. So, so mm-hmm. it was the it was the last park that was open 24 hours. And then they finally like put a curfew was it like on the Giuliani park. It was the last. Right. Yeah, it was like okay. the last park that got a curfew. And it was a huge deal for like people who lived in the park. So this okay. demonstration could would have been looked very much like the demonstrations that right these I riots. See. So that's very interesting. Like, it's so yeah. interesting. And they were like, oh, you got it. They yeah. were like, you got it. You, f- yeah. you figured it out. I love that. But you it doesn't explain that. the magic. It just kind of explains like the kind of just the context of the yeah. show and yeah. why it exists the but way it does. But one thing I'm, I'm, I was thrilled by the fact that it doesn't explain the magic because I think the moment you start explaining these mystical things, it's not going to make sense. Like magic will never be real. Magic will never make sense. <laughs> magic. So like the moment you try to uh, rationalize magic, you ruin the magic. Also, the problem with know? most movies that involve magic mm-hmm. and whatever is they set up these rules and mm-hmm. you create these rules for your world that and then you they don't make sense. But also, if you break them, it's so obvious because you set them up. And also, Russian Doll was confident enough and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like the, the three men, women who created it but like confident enough in like Natasha Leone's ability to carry this yes. without having to explain things and I yeah. think they were totally right in that. I think a lot of shows opt for explanation versus mm-hmm. like resolution. Mm-hmm. And I think that like one of the reasons Russian Doll, it's satisfying because you don't need to be explained what like what horse indicates in the no. thing because mm-hmm. it's resolved. And yeah. so you're like, oh, well, I'm satisfied. You know, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. No. I think some people will watch it and be like, I want to know exactly what's going on. And I totally understand that because we're held. People hold your hand through a lot of these types of stories. Mm-hmm. But it's not would not be as good of a story if they tried to explain no. oh, what the magic was. Yeah. You know, speaking of satisfying endings and also speaking of magic that isn't really explained Velvet Buzzsaw Velvet Buzzsaw <laughs> what a I, ride what a okay. ride Velvet so, Buzzsaw I think had um, whatever no Sonia you go on because we can yeah, get yeah I want to hear what Sonia, Sonia thought about Velvet us. Buzzsaw because Bobby knows what I thought <laughs> oh god I because I saw the memes you know I mm-hmm. knew about the of course, memes the memes come first um, James my husband loves Jake Gyllenhaal so I sort of like talked him into who watching who doesn't if it wasn't trying to be a horror film I think I would have understood what was happening a little more mm-hmm. but I think I just like it took me so long to figure out what the conceit was and then at the end I was like, oh, they're just all dying. Yes. And then I was like, oh, this is a completely different movie from what I expected. Yes. And then the Rene Russo tattoo thing, that Incredible. like that was Incredible a whole reveal. new level. <laughs> Incredible reveal. The, the, the Incredible thing, reveal. The thing about the movie that I really, really respected is that like, yes, it was trying to be like a satire of the art world, and it was yes, it was trying to be some commentary on like late stage capitalism or whatever, but really 
it didn't care enough about that. Like, it wasn't interested in being that no. smart. It was no. interested in being a revenge thriller. And what it is is a revenge thriller. It's like well, this guy yeah. beyond the grave getting revenge on the people who are trying to profit off of him. Right. So then That's it's it. this commentary on, like, the commodification of art. Yeah. Which is, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But yes. I, like, was like, where is it going? But even, like- <laughs> even the right, it was written and directed by this guy, Dan Gilroy, right. who also made Have Nightcrawler. Have you seen Nightcrawler? I haven't, yes. but this is what so James is like, that was so great. Yeah. I don't understand, yeah. like, what is the difference? He's Nightcrawler trying to do was, a similar thing, though, that he did in Nightcrawler with, like, yeah. the news. Yeah, but Nightcrawler was a commentary on, like, media, on news media and the news, and it was very much, like, about that. I think Velvet Buzzsaw was trying to be also a commentary of satire, but it was he was like, you know what, let's just go nuts. It's just great to take Jake Gyllenhaal, who's so good at being hysterical. I mean, mm-hmm. remember the last film that he did for Netflix? What was that mo- show called? Movie? The Giant Pig? Okja. Okja. Yes. Oh, that yeah. was him, too. Yes, yes, yes. He, oh. was, he just plays, like, hysterical so well. Like, he just plays... <laughs> So he's like this hysterical Manic. bisexual, like perfect role for Jake Gyllenhaal with a bad haircut. It. He's so good at playing bisexual. And like, the, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's the good at playing glasses. everything. But I did. But him being like, I'm attracted to you. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It pains me to say I also love bisexuality as a reveal because yeah. it's sort of like, oh, he's a gay oh. art critic. But then he's like, no, wait, he's a bisexual art critic. But that makes it more interesting. It's a reveal because in our society, we assume heterosexuality yes. or he's gay. So to have this like guy who's both makes this the the movie way more interesting. And it makes his relationships a lot more interesting. Yeah, and um, her, that character gets a little bit more illuminated by his, by their relationship. So, oh, and the way they, like, fight with each other. Oh, and, like, oh, they're, God. like, sleeping with other people. David Diggs is there. Oh, yeah, that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> David Diggs is, like, making eggs in the kitchen. I was like, oh, there and he is. And doing graffiti or whatever. Like, yeah. oh, I just love, I, I really liked it. I, I really didn't think I was going to like it this much. I want to circle back to, like, what it's actually about, which we sort of missed. <laughs> great but it's question. easy. But the thing about it's Velvet's really Buzzsaw, it's easy to Miss the point of Velvet Buzzsaw, I think, just generally. And have a good time, though, even if you missed it. We were having a good time. We didn't even say what it was about. Velvet Buzzsaw is a movie about art criticism. No, it's a movie about this woman who is sort of an aspiring art dealer. She's sort of dumped on by everyone, including Rene Russo, who's like peak number one art dealer. of art. Yes, of art. (laughs) Um, Lives in her weird... LA Basically. mansion overlooking the the valley which is like where are you what it's and perfect so yeah. <laughs> she is a former punk star who was in a band called Velvet Buzzsaw she has a Velvet Buzzsaw tattoo on her neck and the whole movie you're like what is that but that's not really the point this woman who is trying to become her protege and eventually does become her <laughs> protege discovers the abandoned art of a dead man in her apartment building and the dead man has left very specific instructions that all of these works of art, thousands of them, must be destroyed upon his death. And she hears this and decides to take them anyway. And it's like, these are beautiful. I can sell them. I can become like a millionaire off of these. And she does. But the problem is they are possessed by the ghost of this artist. And he decides to kill everyone who has been involved in their sale. Um, not necessarily the people who bought them, the people who knowingly were involved like in the Like people who profited yeah. off. When yes. he kills yeah. Billy Magnuson, I was like, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. That was the first right. death where you're just like, this is and out of control. Okay. It really gets extra. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because the art kills them. The yes. art does. In, of course. In specific, bizarre ways. Like, mm-hmm. so Billy Magnuson, like, it's lit on fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, he, by the, the ghost loves ghosts. The fire. In, right. The, by the a fire, fire in, the in the painting that he's stealing. Right. That he's stealing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's like a hand that reaches out. Out There's a hand. for a couple of them. One of them makes the that one guy with the glasses kill him, like hangs himself. That yes. was like, crazy. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, that, yes, that yes. was crazy. What I what I liked about I liked 
we referred to it as a horror movie earlier, and I guess in a way it is. It is, but it's but it's, it's not kind of comic. It's too. not scary. And yeah. what's interesting about it is that there are no real twists or reveals. It's very much from the very beginning. It's like, oh, this ghost is going to get revenge, and all of them are going to die. And it's in, a, in Final Destination sort of way, where it's like you're just going to tick them down. But I never really expected them to find a solution. Like it's, it's very like clear from the beginning. Been a satire, or could have been a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's successful at both, which I think is very rare. And I'd be the first to be like, choose one. Like, <laughs> but I really do think somehow it's both. Tell me about the satirical elements, though, because I kept wondering if the satire like made sense, like if it meshed, mm. because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell how the film felt about the characters who were getting killed. I felt like they really appreciated art. It was, and they all loved these paintings. That was what was so interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. and like Jake Gyllenhaal's like talking, but of course he's using it in a... But they all love them for the the opportunity to sell them. They all saw them as... But what about like beauty? Jake did. Jake really did respect them, but I think... To, to answer your question as best as I possibly can, I think the movie was aware of the fact that it really didn't have much to stand on in the realm of satire. Mm-hmm. Because were these people really worth killing in this very like satirical way? Probably not. So you said, Lindsay, that like usually movies try to have it both ways or they pick one, yeah. like pick one. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lesser movie or a more highbrow movie would have picked satire. Yeah. And it would have been a bad satire. The because the satire, <laughs> the, the, Sonia, the reason you, I think, were so confused by it and are like, what's a satire? It's because it really... <laughs> it wasn't satiring it right. Right. So they right. were like, you know what? Let's lean on the horror because we're having more fun, much more, more, the, more fun with this. Isn't the horror itself kind of like in its way, like what the art world deserves? It is its mm-hmm. own version, maybe not of satire such in a direct way, but like it is like the message is just yes. like these people there are is terrible. Message, yeah, there yeah, is yeah, a yeah. message. And yeah. I think like it's not just like horror to be ho- it's not just paintings killing people. Yeah. There is like an extra layer of like interesting commentary about the way that we treat art. It sort of made me feel I mean it's interesting because it sort of made me feel about like media people like because he's a critic right Mm -hmm. and so I was like and Alison Wilmore posted that that really funny thing. That was the first oh, thing I saw. Him wanting long form. Him wanting long form criticism. She was like me whenever I write 3,000 yes. words. And I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, then like watching it, it is sort of interesting. Like it gets a little bit into some of the like moral dilemmas of these people. Yeah. Where it's like he's excited about stuff. Like he like remember there's this whole thing where he wanted to say something nice about an artist and then his girlfriend or whatever their relationship is is like needs that show to yes. tank and yes. so tells him not yes. to and then like when he gets the paintings he's like and I have to be able to write a book I mean, about he it. he gets mm-hmm. killed by the robot that he first insults. Oh, right. yeah. It's the literally hobo the hobo robot, robot yeah. murders yeah. him. I mean there's so many things like you know when, when uh, she's saying, I'll give you these paintings, but you have to display this orb, this ugly orb thing. They're like, we don't like it. She's like, too bad I'm on the board. You have to. Then she gets killed by the art that she's so desperately trying to mm-hmm. get yeah. seen. Like, there's so many things. There's I guess it's like a very simple, it's a very level one version of this, but like, it is satisfying. My main issue with the movie mm-hmm. is that like, Art is such, it's a visual medium. Yes. And the the paintings are, these are literally visual. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even like a sculpture or something like that. And I just felt like if this movie needed the visual language, right? Like it, and so I can work with everything else, but mm-hmm. I felt like I think that right from the start, it was so, I couldn't even understand exactly how I was supposed to peel, feel about these paintings mm-hmm. because I couldn't quite see them the way that other people were seeing them. Yeah. And that's, that, unfortunately, that that's is That's why like, Bravo's oh, yeah. iconic reality show work of art did not make it. <laughs> well, also, I, that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we could see the art. We were like... <laughs> well, 
Well, that's why that's why like most movies about art and music yeah. and writing don't work because right. like when when you when you tell your audience that this is like a masterwork yeah. and then you see it, it's certainly not going yeah. to be Except the masterwork. Except for a Star work. Is Born, which all the music is good. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I was into Deesa's paintings, and he put his own blood in yeah. them. That that's was cool. insane. That was the cool. scientist but was like, like, I don't, I can't even tell you what's in these paintings. Yeah. But like. I mean, his story, like to me, it felt like an X Files episode, but the the reveal never mm-hmm. worked because because I couldn't because we couldn't figure out really the supernatural one, you know? part of it, yeah. right? Like, and 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 that's funny because with super with Russian doll, we were saying we don't want to know the supernatural mm-hmm. side of it, but in this case, I was it's like, they're total opposites. all this all this stuff happened to him, right? Like the the artist, I didn't even like his dad was tortured or he was tortured. Yeah. He was he abused killed, by the dad, so he killed the dad. So he killed and yeah. tortured the dad, yeah. and then like spends a bunch of time in a medical lab where they do experiments on him. I'm like, I need to know more. Like. <laughs> I need, yeah. I need more. Yeah. Like, is that where he learned how to, like, make paintings that are curses? Like, what? In a way, the movie almost comes across as something that was originally conceived as a pilot, that they were like, you know what? Just make this a feature. Because oh, there are there are certain little things that are dangled in front of you that never really have closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, like, I think over, overall, like, how satisfying it is, like, the title reveal, like, is at the very in the final seconds of the movie where you understand why it's called Velvet Buzzsaw, you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna look past this. A lot of this is just it's like smoke fun, and mirrors, but I'm fine. It's a fun, campy, delightful film. Yes. I and do Jake not Gyllenhaal's think it's supposed to be is... like highbrow or <laughs> no. you know, it's not Roma. It no. is. It is what it is. <laughs> right, I I feel yeah. like I would have. But I also much more. I also really love the idea of watching that immediately with people like in a house you know yeah. like someone who oh you haven't seen Velvet Buzzsaw let's turn it on oh yeah. no I you know? needed to talk it out the yeah. whole time I had so many questions you were just like what's going on yeah I didn't know what was going on for a lot of yeah. the movie so I, I feel like this is another sort of clunky segue but we just talked about a very specific like horror movie and yeah. next I want to talk about this documentary that is about like it's it's horrific but is in no way funny um, it's like real trauma real violence like violence we can laugh at to violence like we never want to think about Abducted in Plain Sight is a documentary that Lindsay and I were um, told to watch by a couple friends of ours it's a peak <laughs> word of mouth thing in that like yeah. the moment the word of mouth starts it won't stop because things just go off the rails so quickly it is a movie that uh, i think the best tweet i saw about it was basically like me every two minutes of abducted <laughs> in plain sight and it's like a gif of someone like shrieking but every two minutes there's another like insane reveal and to start oh. at the bottom it chronicles the um, relationship this family had in the 70s with a family friend who lived by them. I think his name was Birchtold. They called him B. And it was a family, a mother, a father in Utah. This like charming white guy essentially yeah. who like joins had, the family. He's no. a family he's friend. Around all the and time. He's, Absolutely. And not. you're like already no. you're like no, no. because no. you're watching the show movie you're friends. like no. But then it just every five seconds you're like no. So oh. it starts as yeah. like he has this weird relationship with um, the young one of the daughters, who's I think thirteen or twelve, a child, yeah. who's and in the movie, so you know she's like not alive, dead, yeah, okay. which is this isn't about- another weird documentary thing where you you, yeah, know, you yeah, can yeah. tell what's going to happen. And so she's yeah. like, yeah, B it's- was just so charming and like whatever, what, and I fell in love with him, and so he was a sexual predator, okay. a child, a child oh sexual predator. So oh it's like God. darkness. This movie is really messed up. I don't like this. But then every as I said, like five minutes, there's this new reveal. So it wasn't just that he had a sexual relationship with this girl. He had a sexual relationship with both of her parents. Separately. Separately. Like he was so fully like He was manipulating the entire family. And a sociopath that he oh my would God. like 
cause discomfort, like sex, use sex to cause discomfort to both the father and the mother mm-hmm. in order to get closer to the kids so that they were kind of like caught off guard and like didn't know. <gasps> like yeah, they the, were so confused. But by the way everything. the movie unravels, you're like, wait, so he was like, what was his relationship with all these people? But then ultimately you do sort of like come to the conclusion that like the only reason he was doing anything remotely sexual with the parents was because he wanted to intimidate them and he also wanted to basically blackmail them. Like every, yes. he kidnaps this girl twice. <sighs> um, so there's the first reveal that and they're he still her. totally affected by him yes. like they're th- when they're trying to explain like how it happened because the whole movie you're kind of like how are you guys letting this happen essentially mm-hmm. like you're just letting you're terrible happen. parents you're just screaming like yeah. you're terrible parents but, why are you letting this guy into their house But like the the kind of like trauma that they like inflict on these people kind of gets there to this point where you're just like all right there were just they were so confused they were so like bamboozled by this like yeah. guy that of course they just didn't know what to do they just let it keep on happening mm-hmm. or whatever wow. i mean that's what's so there's so many crime documentaries that full of fucked up shit that like yeah. get you to go like oh my god but this one is different because the story is so unique and if you're looking at it from an outsider you're kind of like how could you guys let this happen yeah the whole time you're watching it you're like if that were me if that were me like I would never have let this happen but then the more you learn about this guy you're like he is a master manipulator to the like the extent that like I don't know that I've ever really seen before how was right. he able to do this it's a horrifying does this make you want to watch it I mean I think so mm-hmm. but I think it's interesting like I think the manipulation element is something that doesn't get explored enough in some of the true crime documentaries yeah. Yeah. When and that's what like, this is about so I would say it's like it's not actually scary scary it's mm-hmm. more like fascinating and like creepy and like interesting in that way like yeah. versus let's say Ted Bundy tapes which like I couldn't even make I can't, it through I couldn't finish it I could couldn't not couldn't make it through it. because I felt like they were like he's so hot like yeah. he's a murderer how do you do and you're like okay like this no. is hours mm-hmm. of this when yeah. This this documentary took somebody who is very much like Ted Bundy and that he was like a handsome sociopath and kind of broke down like how we got mm-hmm. to this point with the with the people who were involved, not yes. like these detectives years later in these tapes. We have no context. Are you, Sonia, uh, into true crime generally? I, I wouldn't say I seek it out as much as people seem to. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would have watched The Staircase, for example, unless I had to write about it because right. it was like a bigger thing at the time. But the R. Kelly documentary really got me. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I wasn't I I was time one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that one's it's actually it's four hours, three hours, four hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not that long. And at first I, di- I did not like it. At first I didn't like it because it had this lifetime treatment. But I think and it sounds like this has this mm-hmm. too, like hearing from the women who went through this stuff and, and, and especially when they're like, I like believed a set of things at that time yeah. that. I like painfully found out were not true. Yes. It sounds so similar to this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it to me, that was really interesting because I think that to go back to this, it's so easy to watch this and be like, well, this would never happen to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how no. this is work. That's not how this works. Like these people, I mean, R. Kelly, this person, they're ma- they're they're mm-hmm. master manipulators, mm-hmm. like to use that word. And they they're uh, specifically targeting the weaknesses of, of girls, like what girls are afraid of, like disappointing their parents or mm-hmm. disappointing the alien, whatever yeah. it is. Like, I mean, there's yeah. just so much more. I feel like there's a true crime that's more about like the crime itself, like how they yeah. did it, how they got away with it. What were the things they did that p- fascinates people? Yeah. Because that's something they'll never do or experience. So they're you know interested in like the, the crime aspect. But then there is a totally different type of true crime that is more about psychological sociopath manipulation and that's what this is and I also tend tend to find myself more into those Mm. I feel like Mm. like I really I'm not a big making a murderer fan because I feel like that was so much about methodology and like the crime itself and like who said what and at the time and papers and evidence and whatever and these are so much more about like 
the R. Kelly documentary in this one as well is about like these characters, these people right. who are yeah. so weird. The Ted Bundy stuff, I felt just uh, he's not someone I really I want to think about. I don't really want to even participate in a conversation that is in any way glamorizing him and like calling him handsome over and over again. But this, as well as the R. Kelly one, is especially in comparison to making a murderer. Making a murderer is tough for me because it's it's about that gray area, right? It's like did he do it? Did he not do it? And that gets really frustrating just as a as a viewer. Yeah. But I think what's easier about this is that we know they did it. Right. Like there's right. that, it's not about whether or not right. he did it. Right. It's about we have this villain. It's like that show so the can, sinner. Yes. It's oh, like yeah. we yeah. know she did it. We <laughs> yeah. don't know why. Yeah. Um I think it's good. I, I don't really think it I was worried that it would veer towards the exploitative side, but I don't really think it does. No, it doesn't because everybody's there to 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 say their, their own story, experience right. and I yes. think the problem is when people they let her talk when they let that woman talk there, the whole time that's when yeah. you get an exploitative situation where somebody's not there I mean you know obviously if they've been murdered they can't be there and that's right. like a tough situation and that's <laughs> and that's the that's often with like with staircase with making yeah. a murderer because you give so Think much time voice. to yeah. this one person's side of it but that's because the victims are dead They're and really so not you there. don't know I know right? mm-hmm. yeah So thank you to Sonia and Lindsay for joining me today on this third episode of I'm Obsessed You're so with welcome. This. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I had a great time, too. I I might say I'm obsessed with you, too. Oh, my oh. God. Stop it. Oh. Stop it. Uh, so join us in two weeks for the next episode of I'm Obsessed with This. And have a great one. Bye. If you want to hear more of I'm Obsessed with This, search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you soon with more You Can't Make This Up.